Thank you. Hi, Dan. How are you feeling? Good. You ready? Yeah, very, very ready. Yeah. So it's our first ever planner, strategic thinker, big brain. Oh, you're going to be all right. <laughs> you're feeling a bit twitchy. I honestly think you and him are going to get on really well and I'm going to be a bit like... Why do you say that? Because you're both really big brained. <laughs> I'm big brain, but another, you know, in another way. No, um, you've got another big thing going for you. Thanks, mate. I saw it in Cannes that time. <laughs> um, Guy is, he's a lovely lad, knew him from BBH. I, I actually genuinely uh, don't quite know what he does at the moment, but he said to me it's slightly controversial as to like using AI and blah, blah, blah. And I thought it'd be interesting. Yeah, I read up about it. It's an interesting um, ad tech solution that uses generative AI to help build media yeah. plans and creativity and uh, execute for, for... Well, as long as you stay on, on that rather than get into a bit of North London rivalry... Did anything I just say to you I go lo- in? You know that thing when you'd see someone's face and their mouth is moving back? Nah. You went, oh, what's for tea tonight? Can I make a joke about Did you say football? something about AI? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you being married to me? <laughs> anyway, so that's what that is. Um, but he's also generally... Very sweet man, and I did um, a very big campaign for Bailey's, which was really, really pleasurable. I really enjoyed working with him. The other thing I found out in research is he's a massive gooner. Yeah, no, I did mention that earlier, but then you just didn't say you didn't listen because oh, you were looking, I was looking I at your mouth talking. You said the word Arsenal, well, gooner. He is, he's, and he's proper. So you two, yeah, just come. Keep well, it, keep, at the moment, keep it we're right because we're both doing okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> less said of football, better. I'll go and get him. Guy Murphy, uh, our first ever planner on the show. Welcome to Behind the Billboard. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you very much for coming on. Um, um, I suppose we could say Guy might truly be the first big brain on this show. Although, obviously... If any of our previous guests are listening, they're going (laughs) to... Yeah, I was going to say after... No, that's for me and you. (laughs) Oh, um, Oh, well, the bench is... The benchmark is really low, so we're welcome. Well, I mean, we we have had... We've had Sir John Hegarty, Graham Fink... Um, Peter Suter last week so, but I think, all those idiots yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I've now got, we've got a brain on I've got imposter syndrome already <laughs> no. no don't don't hold on I've got to turn this thing down sorry oh my ears right um, no so it has been a long time coming uh, because we've always talked about you know broadening our offering on the show don't want to have creative people like as in creatives um, you know, photographers, illustrators, clients, etc. So we've always said we should have a planner. And I can't remember when we went for, when did we go for that beer? How long ago was it? Somewhere. The one in Liverpool Street? Yeah. Two months? It Three. feels like ages ago. And we're sitting there and we were going, oh, it'd be great to get you on. And guys, the, uh, the, the, the honestly, the, the, the best planner I've ever worked with. So uh, we thought it'd be great for you to come on. Uh, so first, we have to ask, uh, how are you and what are you doing at the moment, Guy? Well, I'm um, rather intimidated by that introduction. At the <laughs> I don't mean it. <laughs> You're still a tosser, but yeah, yeah. that's okay. better. Yeah, I thanks, feel much more at home. Now. <laughs> uh, I, I'm very well. Yes, um, all's great. I have, um, I've taken a pivot in my career, as they say. So I'm no longer in ad agency land. Okay, uh, but I'm still in advertising, in as much as I have a ad tech startup business that is 
trying to automate the ad agency. Oh, I think he, he needs to leave the room, doesn't he? <laughs> he's, 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 he's the guy who's killing us. <laughs> you, you didn't know that bit when you invited him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I remember you said something about automated and think, oh, yeah, we'll cover that. It's like, oh, shit. So go on then. Tell us about it. Let's, let's get everyone more well, happy than scared. Well, um... <laughs> The, the big the big opportunity we've seen is, and ad agencies are blind to this, is that 97% of all businesses are small businesses and ad agencies are not interested at all in small businesses. Right. And small businesses find it very difficult to do digital advertising these days because it's complicated, isn't it, and time-consuming. Uh, and yet they need to get more customers in because it's difficult times. So... They end up really needing advertising, but not able to do it. Um, so we've created a service online that can handle at scale thousands and thousands of small businesses who can create digital advertising on uh, social media, super easy, super quick, in a way that they never would have been imagined possible. And is it self-serve? Then? It's self-serve. Oh, wow. Um, so we're literally trying to automate strategy creative execution media planning and reporting uh, all in one platform which wow. we don't see that done ever to our knowledge uh, so I, i'm 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 loving this phase of my career because i feel like i'm helping to push at what's possible and i'm not i'm not part of a legacy institution or legacy thinking or legacy structures and what you could, so which if you'd have stayed at in the agency world, you could have been. Yeah, I think that is always the struggle for the existing structures. Is it's very hard to move on and until embrace you get, the new. Until you get bought by an agency, and then you become back in the agency. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll be in, you'll be off in the sunshine then, won't you? And you on your boat on your boat um, in Florida. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping we'll get bought by Facebook or Google or something. Yeah, off. okay. So you heard it here first, guys. And Dan and I take ten percent. <laughs> And uh, and what are the channels you're looking at? So you're looking at all digital channels. Yeah, so we're starting in in paid social. So yeah. at the moment, the starting points is um, is Meta and LinkedIn, but we're mm-hmm. going to add add more of those, and then then we'll push into um, search uh, and and then TV and video as all that becomes more possible to buy and, uh, programmatically. And digital outdoor programmatic. And digital outdoor programmatic. I mean, it, I mentioned small businesses. Um, fantastic for small businesses is digital outdoor. Yeah. I mean, the poster yeah. by the shop. Yeah. Uh, also, local radio. Um, but but yeah, we'll we'll look we'll look for some suppliers of media inventory in things like posters and outdoor to be able to put on our site so we can plan those into their schedules. Cool. So as you can hear, today's episode is a perspective from a strategy person, not a creative person. Although I I always argue that the, the good ones are the same. The strategy people and the creative people are all good. That, that, but only the good ones. <laughs> the shit ones can stay apart. Uh, <laughs> but I've been very lucky. I've worked with some very good ones. Um, obviously, Guy, uh, Max Keen, one of my favorite planners, uh, Sam Pavey. There's loads of them out there. Um, Lola, you know. Anyway, hi to all of you if you're listening. Um, so, we're going to explore the conversation a bit about uh, before the creatives write the billboard a bit. So, in effect, we're saying behind the strategy, behind the billboard if that's not too much of a mouthful. Uh, talking of mouthfuls, but I have started eating uh, the muffins. So I, my neighbour, I haven't made any cake yet, sorry. And Dan's looking at me aghast. But my neighbour made these blueberry muffins, which are pretty good. Is this kind of bake-off season, so you end up just passing cake over Good the fence? Be. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're from Naomi and Patrick next door. They'll never listen to the show. <laughs> um, but thanks, Naomi. Can I check? Is this part of the show? This it is, is, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah we if do you, go off on tangents. But well, I did. Bring, I say we. I offered some he. figs, but you didn't want the figs. So I'm just getting. You know, figs from Lidl was the offer. Yeah. <laughs> they're cheap. They're really good. The one up by um, Arsenal, um, by Finsbury Park. It's really good there. Anyway, so. Guy also pointed out, because he's a smart bloke, uh, that many of the listeners won't know who he is. So this is a new feature in the show we've called Who the F is Guy Murphy? You can say the F word if you want. Yeah. We've got I thought experience. that might be a bit rude because oh. a guy's... All right, who the fuck's Guy Murphy? Right, there you go. <laughs> so from my perspective, so I met you, Guy. Um, Hugh's now going to do his Michael Aspore impression. You yeah. can get a red book in a minute. Uh, very long. <laughs> so we... Here, behind the curtain... Um, <laughs> We met at BBH and we, we got on well. I really liked working with you. But you was that your first place or did you work somewhere else? Sorry, tell us a bit. Uh, no, I did work somewhere else first. I worked at an uh, agency called BMP. Oh, I've heard of that place. <laughs> so the home of the planning. For any <laughs> any younger listeners, uh, that's the agency that through many transitions and mergers and acquisitions became uh, BMP. Uh, sort of became Adam and Eve DDB. Yeah. No, it's just Adam and Eve. No one says it, does it? Does no. It? Yeah. Um, Awful. So so that was there. I mean, I, I've, I've been super lucky at working at agencies where the creative talent has been it. Just extraordinary. So, it's, of course, that was John Webster was still there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I, think, I think Trevor Beattie was still there. Um, and then there was Nick Gill, Tony and Kim. Right. I mean, just some big names. So I was... I was just a sprog and um, I just kind of sat in awe listening to these people create. Um, so How that, long were that, you there? I was there th- about three years. Right. So that was my gig before BBH. And then BBH went on for, I can't remember that first because I ended up, I did Sarchi's and then JWT and then you popped up at JWT, um, even more wiry and wily and successful and global. Mm. And... Um, Tell us about that. We got on pretty how well. Did, how did that work? From yeah. um, how long are you at BBH then? So I was. I, I do long stints in places. I'm very. Stubborn. Did you get any money? Did you get any money from BBH? <laughs> no, you know the sellout. No, he worked for free. <laughs> no, there's, there's <laughs> worked a, with the passion of. No, there's a group of people. When you say that, you go. So you, I worked there for six years and uh, missed out on the sale to publish oh, okay. it. So if you stayed a certain amount of time. So some people, if you'd stayed there, like like Mark and Pete, I think Mark had been there about 18 years, got a good old slug. Well, people can correct me if you want, but I, you know, we, did you, you don't have to say on air, but I... <laughs> I, I, I did have shirts. It's gone quite nice. It's got a really shirt, nice jacket and shoes, so... Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you were asking me about... Sorry, yeah, uh, going JWT. Yeah, um, so you went from BBH to J-Dub. Yeah, I get, well, my, my career's partly been a journey from very local to very international um n- not through um a planning just happen chance um so when i was at bbh i was in london as deputy chairman and then i was also in singapore setting up their offices with some others in tokyo and um southeast asia wow uh and that was my first experience of advertising out of london and and creative geniuses outside of london Yes, uh, and then in my role at JWT, I was global chief strategy officer. That that's when I really got to be around talents from everywhere. Yeah, because it's a very big network and it's got a huge footprint everywhere. So, um, the, it it was an extraordinary set of people 
um, that I would never would have come across if I hadn't been at an international agency like that. Um, so C Craig Davis was the global creative officer. Uh, Fernando Vega Olmos was there. Um, Mayan Lowe in China. Jaime Rosado in Puerto Rico. Beto in Brazil. And people who people at JWC will know all these names, and they'll we used to sit around in. Uh, creative council sessions, you know, 10, 15 of us. And, and there'd be these sort of creative gurus from parts of the world with reference points I didn't know, perspectives I'd never imagined. And I found that a real kicker to creativity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember, was what was the guy's name? Bob from New York. Bob. Bob Jeffrey. Bob Jeffrey, yeah. Oh, God. I remember being very drunk and making a bit of a... Uh, Bit of a stick of myself and so just going back to the bbh days and helping set up the other offices was that was that to make sure the bbh culture transferred into other parts of the world in terms of that creative culture fostering creativity and 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 then obviously you know cognizant of, of local cultures as well yes yes exactly it, it is that difficult balance of how do you maintain the the things that made bbh successful and yet, and yet, not simply imposing that on yeah. places where you you don't know that it necessarily works, and and that that is a continuous challenge. Um, and so, yes, there was there was leadership that was part from London, and there was leadership that was also from um, Singapore. So, were you taking the black sheep around the world? Yes, kind yes. of, you know, it, to surmise. Yeah, yes. so I remember. I remember when we were there. It wasn't the black sheep. It was just towards the end, and Heg started to really brand. The place much more sharply, I suppose. You know, what's your ethos and everything? And by you know now, it's like that's it. That's the go. For, you know, it's out the front, isn't it? And well, it was just but in those early days, as BBH BBH hugely successful here, obviously. But as it expanded around the world, it's a it's a hard thing to do at at scale and speed. It's the it's a tricky path. Yeah, or or, or at all. Mm. I mean, it, it is hard to replicate success. Um, uh, and and it's, you realise there was actually something very very special about the London office, you know, K Kingly Street, uh, Great Pulteney Street before that, and there was something about the the chemistry, something in the water. The founders were walking the corridors. Yeah, it was still in its kind of early youthfulness, yeah. and it's very hard to replicate that yeah. and cut and paste it to New York, Singapore, Sao Paulo. Um, and I, I don't mean that specifically for BBX, but any agency. Yeah, we're, we're, we see that in our in our business. We've got offices around the world, and it's, it's and it was founded here in London, and the founders are still part of the business and and are, are based here in London. It's it's a tricky tricky. Part. I remember um, when I joined, it was <clears throat> I just walked past it this morning. The Sun and Thirteen Cantons, as, or Sun and Thirteen Cantonars, as I used to call it. I'm not <laughs> going to go back in time to when United are great, but it was quite. It was lovely that building then we went to kingley street which is much bigger and um sort of uh lots of glass i remember we'd been in there about a year or something and uh nick gorse and uh no, john got sorry john gorse and nick worthington and uh they were an amazing team obviously and they were walking around and they, i remember john gorse was quite, quite sort of um sullen at times what do you think of the building and I said, oh, it's great because I haven't had one fucking good idea since I've been in here. <laughs> and he started to play, which is completely untrue because they did Polaroid and everything. But John was very like that. But it was about the move, you know, from the sort of, you know, Pulteney Street where it was a little bit more 
parochial, I suppose, then the, the big glass building. And mm. then, like, people like people go, oh, we're off to Singapore and New York, and we're going, what? Fuck, you got what? You know, and it just... And was that part of the strategy, send teams out around the world to kind of help? I don't know, because when I, Adam and I, I think Adam and I were sent to New York as some sort of punishment, because we'd been sin inside Saatchi's um, flirting with Droga, trying to get a job there. So they said, oh, you're going to go to New York, New York and work on a financial pitch. <laughs> Which I'm not kidding you was shit. But I mean, that aside, I think there was a mix of you want some of the, you know, the home team, but mm. then you got to hire local yeah, to yeah. get. And there was some quite, I mean, I, because I think I left around this time, you know, when it, BBH, we did, I think we did American and by that time we went. But the Singapore thing, I must have missed. It must have been around then. It was Singapore first. Right. And then but America. America. Okay. So there was. I, I think the strategy to your point was. That the that the creative leadership needs to be local, mm. um, but but the sort of but the management managing director CEO level didn't have to be. Yeah, um, and I think that's because you know clients. I mean, especially in America, they kind of want to feel a talent that knows that market. Yeah, yeah. and every market thinks they're special. Um, but I think that's especially true there. It was especially true in in Japan and definitely in Singapore, where where the creative taste is different yeah. and the mm. media is different. And unless you've been there, you really can't turn up and pretend to know it. Yeah. yeah. The um, right, we need to come back from global. I'm going to bring you right back to the end of your street uh, and our regular feature, uh, Billboard Industry. And what have you got for us, guys? It's actually not bad. This can you describe what it is? Yeah, I was hoping it was going to be more shit than this. Yeah, I was as well. So it's not bad. Because um, it's going to help your link to the next section. But unfortunately, it's not too shit. Um, it's, a, it's a fairly standard conventional luxury goods ad for uh, Paco Rabanne. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's advertising of fragrance, I think, called Lady Million. Who doesn't want Lady Million? Um yeah. And it's it's a it's a site that exists directly outside uh, our offices at um, two three one Shoreditch High Street, um, and what you can't see in that poster, <laughs> Tom, uh, it's already it's funny, is uh, there's a huge pile of vomit directly in front of it. <laughs> From another fashion brand, no, no, um, and that's because the the site, the poster site, is next to a pub in a kebab house, uh, and it's a it's part of a bus shelter. So you can imagine the series of events that went to the creation. And um, it, someone it just, probably put their hand on the poster to chunder next to it. Oh, I like that. That gives me a whole idea about interactive ad shelves. Outside. <laughs> I mean, so do you think there's a slight mismatch with the media buying and the, the locale? Yeah. Don't well, know. I, I was, well, exactly to that point. I was quite taken and reminded by this of like how much par- posters are part of the fabric of a locality. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of, you know, I've heard that phrase, street furniture. But they're, they're real things in real life places where life goes on around them. Yeah. And they interact it's with It's interesting. Them. So, yeah. taking it back to your, your current business, um, Ossa. 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 Um, working with smaller brands and thinking about getting them on digital out of home and getting them in the real world. We've certainly seen some of those uh, direct-to-consumer brands, for example, loving out of home because 
all of a sudden their brand becomes real. They're so used to dealing with the mm. digital marketplaces and putting things on social and talking to to, to faceless humans um, behind their, their finger scrolling. Whereas when they get seen in the real world, whether they do a mural or a poster or something digital out of home, and they're walking to the tube and they see their ad, all of a sudden there's this excitement in either innovators or 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 small brands or, you know, the one-man bands when they see that their brand is now out of home um, because it's real and it's in the real world all of a sudden. So they get they get excited about that. Yeah, uh, t- totally. And t- t- sometimes it's easy to walk past some of the very basic benefits of outdoor, which is this <laughs> visibility, Yeah, just to state the yeah. obvious. Uh, and But for a lot of people, just visibility is worth a lot. Yeah to your point brands that are not visible in shops for example um and and with visibility comes a sense of trust right and that's worth a huge amount Mm. and these are just very fundamental things that you could take for granted and you get into very sophisticated arguments about other stuff but just the the basics of what posters can can deliver visibility and trust yeah is huge and I think that's, that's that that yeah. trust factor is why we're seeing this kind of modern trend of CGI appearing on yeah, fake out of home foo as we were calling it the other day, um, because all of a sudden I'm showing you a video of something that looks real, and I'm I'm actually using the trust mechanic of the fact that it's out of home, mm. um, and that's it's quite an interesting phenomenon that we're seeing on social right now. Yeah, the, I mean, I think the Maybelline <laughs> thing on the tube, yeah, you know, with the with but the if you brushes, go, you know, that kind of stuff. If you like, go back one beat and go, you know, when you see it, like for real, as a creative, you want to go. If it's any good, you want to take a photo and get yeah. your mum down or whatever. Show your mates, and you see it, and then someone else might mention it, and that's great. So you know it's there because like the trouble but is the equivalent for the CGI thing is dropping a like or sharing it on your page, right? Yeah, that's the, that's the equivalent. Yeah. It's the equivalent of me taking my photo. My because there's so down. many. I'm going to take a picture from a creative side. point of view. There's so many, you know, make so many fucking decks and so much work. It doesn't never gets made. And then even when a bit of work does get made, say nine times out of ten, if you're a new creative or it's early days, you might end up. It might be a bit social or a bit of digi. So again, it is real, but it's sort of you know in a screen, you know there, and you can't. Hey, come and look at the banner I did, guys. You know, see, you know that the, the holy grail, I suppose, is film. But then, but film is still weird because you'll watch it at home and you'll watch it somewhere else, you know. And the the poster still is the one where it's going, ah, here I am, yeah, and I'm here. And that, but then the trouble is, like you just said, and you said, guy, and Andy Nan said in his piece, which we might touch upon, is the fucking fakery now so that fucks that whole thing because you're going great here's my ad um you know but then now people are messing with that and i personally don't like it i like it for fun Mm. you know pissing around and stuff but ultimately it's a dangerous path to go down you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about AI and all that stuff in a bit, but I, that's just well, my and bit. And from a strategic perspective, bringing it full loop, you go, you know, where, from a brand safety perspective, mm. if you're called out as fake, yeah. what does that mean for a luxury goods brand? What does that mean? So, there's what, a, there's, so bringing it all the way around on trust, you go, okay, so Maybelline, well done. You so what happened to Maybelline? Did well, they get a kicking or not? No, I mean, lots of, people so called, big. lots of people called it out online as fake, it's fake, it's fake. Um, other people were surprised by it and shared it. I mean, it did phenomenally well virally, but, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. that. I think the long tail of that and the let's call it that breach of trust 
mm. where okay, you fake something um, is unknown. We don't know what that's going to do to mm. their sales. We don't know what's going to do to their brand. But, mm. you know, for me, the reason I don't like it is because we don't know we don't know the damage it's doing to out of home trust, which well, so obviously impacts right. me. And you're not but getting paid. We don't know the damage it's doing to a brand if you're if you're. And you're not getting paid. Well, no, we are getting paid because we'll do we, we do stuff anyway. Yeah, I know, like, but it's not a. But it, I think if it if it's going to do damage to an industry, yeah, 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 yeah. then yeah. it's bad because then it's like every time we share something, is it going to is someone going to suggest it's fake? Mm. We had the same thing with the anamorphic you know stuff that originally when you're mm. doing stuff that looks like it's i mean can i just say screen. for our listeners that the recent instagram post of 10 images from sites all over britain were absolutely faked by me <laughs> i don't know if you could see that some of the craftsmanship i was literally dragging boxes and saying to my daughter do you think that looks really bad or just a bit shit so did uh, we're doing it as well right so that's the, we're, yeah. you know we're using the fact that we're, but talking we're doing about posters it and very we're... much with the hands out game we know what we're doing it but uh, yeah i mean it's i suppose i really like that debate about trust mm. and then you know, breaking that trust and then just be careful whoever's mm. doing it because you're going to fuck our industry. But So going back to the, you know, going back to your side of the business when you were working in campaign mode and working with, with your teams, did that question of trust come up when we, when you're talking about creative ideas and you're looking at where the, where these things should be, be playing out and, you know, what's right for the brand and what medium should this be played out on? Yes. Along with, many other kind of criteria um but but you're right in in saying that um the role of the strategy person in the agency here is to help understand um what's the role of outdoor versus the role of everything else hmm. uh, and that that's often a question that that people don't focus on they just go well we'll just list off some media but we don't really know why we're doing them <laughs> um because they're on the list and, yeah. and to really focus hard on on each one and say what is that for is there a good reason for it uh can outdoor do something that we can't do elsewhere and if so what is that and mm. then how do we how do we write a brief for the creatives to really maximize the potential of that thing yeah and then and then try and repeat that through the channels um, is is the sort of fundamental of, or the starting point at least of the the job I would do and people like me would do. Media planners, I should point out, will be taking a slightly different perspective because they will also be talking about reach and cost. And and so, so do you, do you do you, is that work done in parallel with the media agency in collaboration with? Is it done? I wish. Um, I mean, the industry separated a while ago, didn't it? Yeah. Mm. And, um, you know, we, we can argue the merits or demerits of that, but I'm, I'm not sure that creativity has won in that battle because media is as much part of the creative conversation as the executional content is. And it's mad. I remember, sorry, just joking. I remember at BBH, if you had an idea, you go, fuck it, let's go and talk to Kev Brown, go downstairs or Cramner, whoever was there, and they go, and they, they tell you something they go, yeah, let's do this, but I'll tell you what you could do. Uh, somebody's have a bus side or a projection, or you get yourself this brilliant conversation. Yeah. You go back up, and then you talk to Hegarty or someone, and you're going, oh, we spoke to... Because he would say, speak to Kev, you know, and then it's all there. And then they, they leave the building, you know, doing their thing or whatever, and you're going, it's all just... But, you know, I think, shitter, I think it? it's... Um, inter-agency collaboration is, I think, like, good inter-agency yeah. collaboration. 
is brand specific now. I think it's right. not agency yeah, yeah. specific. So some of the marketeers that we're working with, like, you know, there's the weekly meeting. We talk about what's happening. Everyone is on the same page. So strategy, creative, media, production. We're all talking about yeah. how we can maximize this campaign. And, and that's channel specific. But And I think those those brand managers are getting it right because they understand that they've, it's a they've employed it, the right agencies for the right reasons. So yeah. don't don't let them undermine each other. It's a, but it sometimes precludes like proactive ideas or you know if you can just bob down a corridor and, or you know knock on someone's door and so but, that, I, no, but I think that that culture the yeah. the fostering and interagency collaboration that the culture of that comes from the brand. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. If they sep- if they separate people, mm. you don't have that. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to call up. The media planner and talk to them about this mm. there's all there's also um there's also some thinking which helps pull it together as well as the structural issues of we could get the agency in with the other agency yeah and and so you know the, the jargon of consumer journeys um communication ecosystems uh etc etc they are concepts which try to look at how everything works together mm. um rather than in silos and um, the, intellectually, that helps everyone focus on all the pieces and how all of them fit, whether their particular agency is doing those pieces or not. And I think so that that sort of intellectual, those intellectual tools help pull people together. Although, the, but I think still the, the P&L difficulties, the P&L differences of agencies still pull that apart yeah but there's there's some thoughtful stuff which is making this be much more integrated and holistic i think we um we need to interrupt with some creative work uh so we're going to talk about three campaigns you've um worked on quite a lot on 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 billboards and then we're going to go back a little bit more into strategy of work so we're going to start actually funnily enough um bbh singapore Mm -hmm. but in japan uh, well, yes. well, is that right? Is it, so just brief, briefly for the listeners, this is a fantastic campaign. I can't believe I've never seen or heard of it, but I've, it's called the uh, the Big Scanner, and it's in uh, it's for Levi's Japan, and you literally would go in and scan yourself on the world one looks like one of the world's biggest scanner, and then you would be creating an original of yourself, which would then be printed out, and you could create your own poster, your print ad. I mean, it's fucking ace. There's film. It's like a pop promo. It's like one of those bits, and you go, ah, oh, it's ace. So could you just tell us a bit of background to how this happened? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, I guess the story starts with that with the fact that Levi's is probably the most lauded creative account for many years mostly out of um bbh london and for the television work mm. and to our earlier point about how do you how do you replicate success yeah. in the part of the world you know how how could we as bbh do levi's over there yeah, in a different part of the world um uh, so and there's a lot of pressure then on the brief <laughs> and on the output as you can imagine um and this was specifically for Japan. Right. So very quickly, the differences start arriving. So right. um, it's 15 seconds maximum because that's the media <laughs> landscape uh, in Japan and there's no point trying to complain about it. That's just the way it is. Um, and there will be a celebrity uh, and it's and it's this guy, Takuya, uh, because that's the way Japanese advertising works. Don't complain about it. So, so already very- you've got two quite big mandatories on the brief. Right, so it's not exactly a clean slate. 
Uh, so you've got quite a lot of ex- executional things to work with already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and then always Levi's briefs. Although I'm I'm not in the best place to talk about all of them, but my knowledge of how that account has always worked historically was that the brief was pretty much about originality. Yeah, the original genes. So it was kind of over to you, creative team. Here's the problem of do original in an original way again, again. <laughs> and it's quite quite tough to yeah to help out there. Um, but that was the brief again. So there wasn't very much to go on. Um, but, uh, these guys had the idea of, um, photocopy yourself. So when you say these guys, let's talk about the team. Scott McLennan and Lisa Glasgow. Scott McLennan and Lisa Glasgow from BBH, uh, Singapore. Thanks. Sorry, yeah, go on. That's okay. And, um, I think the creative director was Stanley Wong. Stanley Wong, okay. In the office at the time. So credit to all of them. Um, and the, the, the kind of slightly curious creative logic was if you photocopy yourself, you're photocopying the original, but it's a copy of okay. the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you slightly get caught in the, <laughs> how exactly is this supposed to work? But we could still think about this in terms of, you know, originality and copies and play yeah. with that. And especially with people, so you've got everyone's original styles. It's like there's, there, it runs all the way through it, doesn't it? Yeah, because every single act is an original because mm. every person is. So it's, I, like, I know what you're saying about the copy. It's like, but it's a copier. It's got to be original. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was fun. But I mean, this is an example, I think, where, where you know, people hopefully like myself are the, uh, in the agency, and I should mention um, a, a man called Sudeep Gohil, who was um, on the ground in Japan at the time, um, where, where actually you're helping after the team have had much of the idea rather than before you could be helpful at any point in the process but afterwards i mean so like so there's an idea about the scanner what do we do now yeah well we need a scanner and (laughs) none of them are big enough to to photocopy yourself i mean you could probably get your ass on it on a christmas party yeah yeah. in the uk years ago yeah um (laughs) and so we went in search of well what is the world's biggest photocopier which is one of those wonderful things you get to do in advertising that you never so in that moment you go we're in Honda Land, you know, Nike, we're in a place where, how the fuck do we do this? Which has got to be the most exciting place to be, right? Um, so we found we found the biggest copyright uh, um, photocopy in the world in Korea. Um, That's and, handy. And we, in the same we, area. we got it flown to Tokyo. Really? And uh, we were then able to put bodies on it. Right. Uh, and photocopy them. Uh, and then you go, so what are we going to do now? <laughs> We've got this got giant. Yeah. So, well, why don't we put it in store? Yeah. Um, if you buy a pair of the Levi's, you can put them on and get on the photocopier. Fucking And great. you've created then a poster of yourself that you can, that you have with your jeans. That's an original because no one else is one of one. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, of course, we can then do a piece with the celebrities themselves, Takuya and all the... The, the many others that we used in the campaign to create a, a set of sort of um, poster content, photocopy poster content that can go anywhere. I could just quickly play this for us. Sorry, listeners. Here we go. We'll put the link on the uh, on the description as well. This is the TV spot. Oh, cool! It's up against the wall as well. It's up against the wall. Or was that on the TV? On the TV, it was up against the wall in the shop. You had to... You had to lie on it. 
because I, I can, you know, just to go back a bit, sorry, you go, oh, 15 seconds, celebrity, uh, n- not in England, going, I imagine creatives, you know, the old school. But then when you look at the campaign, it has none of that. For me, it has this really audacious idea. With restriction idea. comes creativity, exactly. right? The... But I didn't even think, because I suppose at that point, I would, if the brief was just TV, but that from it comes, so, we, so you were going to say, like, there's so many other bits that come off of it, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the, the kind of beauty of how that creative development went, was that the first thought wasn't a thought in a medium. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't, you know, here's the telly ad. Right, yeah. It was... Here's a thing, yeah, a photocopier, and it's something to do with originality. Mm. What could we do with that? And then because it started there, it, it then has the potential, because it's neutral of anything, to, to bend it and twist it into all of the mm. different media we needed. The, yeah. I mean, for me, the most exciting is to go in a shop, put a pair of Levi's on, and then photocopy yourself. And then not only I've got the jeans, I've got this fucking poster on myself. I mean, that. As sort of, I mean, this is a while ago as well. A long time ago. So that's on getting right, stuff. An integrated campaign before they were called integrated yeah, campaigns. Yeah, and then you could start. Multimedia and... You could put yourself in Instagram. You could project yourself everywhere. You know, it's it's just pre-Instagram. I mean, it's brilliant. Um, it's it's brilliant as a medium and neutral idea. But then, I mean, for this show particularly. So did I imagine you took some of that content and made them into billboards? You could make your own billboard. How did you get there? It, it, it then got pushed out into, um, you know, d- d- digital out of home because, you know, the, the fantastic should be your crossing yeah. type sites uh, and locations. Um, it was extraordinary in print. Yeah. Uh, it was point of sale then in all of the Levi's stores around, you know, um, Shibuya and so on. Um uh, And then I think I had, they had the technology at the time to make it wallpaper on your phones. Wow. Nice. Wow, wow, wow. So people had their own photocopy of themselves or Takuya on their phone. Did it um did it win loads of awards? Because if it didn't, it should have. Is it, it a bit ahead of its time? Well, yeah, I mean it, you find campaigns like that sometimes. You go kind of why where's this been? This is really- Well, that was my reaction when you sent it to me the other day. I was like, not only is it But sometimes I think we can live in a little microcosm right and certainly here in the uk you're looking we we're exposed to uk creativity yeah, more yeah, than yeah. anything else and then you know when do we look outside we have international guests on we look outside then and we go in the summer we go to the south of france and we yeah. look at everything that wins there mm. but how often are we looking through yeah. campaign asia and looking at looking at work how often are we looking at, at the trade i love this i mean i think the kudos to the credit team creative team because it's it feels like it's just a great idea for a thing, whether it's their bottom drawers in a scrapbook, it's waiting for a brief to land on it. You know, sometimes you have those and they just fit. But in a way, it, it is a very, and this is an expression I learned from you, hardwired to the brand. I'm sorry, we're going to talk about Bailey's in a minute, but I remember a guy kept saying to me, is this idea hardwired to the brand? And I kept saying to Russell and Adam, what does hardwired thing mean? Anyway, and I, and I understood it. And now I use it all the time in meetings. And it's, I was thinking I should go, trademark guy Murphy told me this. It gets you out of anything. Yeah. <laughs> but it was hardwired to the brand. Like, hardwired. What is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, we'll do that then. Yeah, believe me, I'll say long words. But it oh, is. So it's an excuse as well as a, a prompt. But it's great because it is, <laughs> it's about being, you know, photocopying is the whole thing about original copying, you know, in a way. So it is a very, rich area to play in and they 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 hit gold dust i mean it's honestly it's one of the best campaigns i've seen i love it i love the look it could, of it, it could as have well. worked anywhere in the world as well yeah, yeah. Um, but 
those it was too, but like too you said soon. the 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 formats so you've got your 15 second and your celebrity the formats are specific to to the local market but the idea yeah could go anywhere but they, that's the, the thing the thing also what i love about them is and i was never very good on this because i'm not a, a, as cool as some art directors hard to believe copywriters um it looks it looks fucking great as well because you could have shot that and gone Oh yeah, it's like someone's laid on a photocopier. But the way it's all got mashed up, like there's a DJ here, uh, DJ Quiet Storm, and he's holding two uh, discs, and they've become really um, sort of moving, fractured. Yeah, the and then the, the sort of level of detail in it, the teams have done. Like everyone's obviously very good looking, which is good. But there's people with tattoos, and that you can just see the imprints of parts of their body, which are sitting on the glass. And again, it just makes it. You're just sitting there going. You don't. We're just sitting there in front of it, That's going. Where the originality comes through, doesn't it? It's, right. It's very good. Well, I could pass this next one over to one of you two. I don't really want to talk about it. So Bailey's luscious lips. I Listen to your lips. I don't know which team did this. Yeah, it's a bit of a shock. A bit shocking, wasn't it? You saved it, yeah. <laughs> um. So you guys worked together on this one. Uh, oh, I can so, Huge work. Hardwired to the brand. So we worked on it. Russell gave us this global pitch, which was one of the scariest things. He said, oh, you'll be all right for this. And like, I think Alison wasn't that keen for us to do it. And he said, no, you're the people for it. And then we met Guy on it. Obviously, knew Guy for ages. And, and it was a tiny little team, actually. It was Guy, Alison, me and Adam, Shady, the planner, um, and and then we had a sort of Bruno and Ronnie, but below us a bit. But we uh, we went into battle, and it, I reckon it was definitely the scariest meeting we've ever done because we got to the end, and we had to do this thing in New York. Scariest meeting with client because but they're in New York, and the whole of this wall is like early tech was New York, and that guy called uh, Rob. There was this big cheese, and everyone kept saying, "Make sure you talk to him," and he'd really hurt his back or something, or he had some weird coat on. <laughs> Every time I get me and I'm going, you've got to do this bit now. And then Guy would come in and just do this really good bit of strat. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. We won it. And it was ace. And, and we it won- was the, that was the pitch to win the client. Yeah. yeah. And it was, the, and the line was, there was a moment when Guy kept, kept, came in and said, if it's about lusciousness, lusciousness is lips. We got to the line, listen to your lips. That's fucking it. QED, hardwired, whatever. And we were up and running. And we just did every gazillion idea on lips in Impreso. And it just, you know, but it was um, it was a great lesson for me in how to, you know, to run stuff and yeah. I, I remember, I remember when now you say it, small team. How often have we found small teams <laughs> are much better at creating and moving on and judging and recreating than the big teams? Um, by small, I mean small in number. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bailey's. I mean, this was another of those ones where. Um, I, I think the contribution that, that strategy made to this was actually to help sell it. And again, you forget how important that is. Um, and uh, not sell it in terms of d- just doing some sort of intellectual schmoozing uh, and jazz hands about it, but just trying to get the client to fundamentally understand why of all the solutions any agency is going to tell you, it's this one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, it was you know pretty simple stuff. We just did some research that said... Um, what word do you associate most with the word luscious? Remember the the brief from the client was it's about luscious. You know, don't go anywhere else. So it was who could execute luscious, and people could say whatever word they wanted that would go with the word luscious. But then we'd offer them, you know, is it luscious hair? Is it luscious fruit? Is it luscious whatever? 
And one of the word, one of the phrases was luscious lips. And it just so happened that the research came back and like, yeah, 80-odd percent of people said that it was luscious lips more than anything else. Mm. And, and it was an absolute gift when that came back because you go, right, I can stand up in this pitch and I can say, if you want your brand to stand for this thing called lusciousness, then not only is there evidence to think that it goes well with the execution of lips and the word lips, but you'd need a reason why you'd need to put it with anything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that scores so lowly. Yeah. 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 So it was this sort of very satisfying way of going, not only is it this answer, it can't be the other answers. Yeah. Yeah. And you have that lovely sense of, you know, you've you've promoted your own agency's work and you dissed all the competition yeah. in one go. Yeah. And again, this is not this is not sophisticated strategy. <laughs> this is just using tools to help sell that appeal to clients' sense of rationality. Um, not just trying to talk things up for the sake of it. Yeah, if and I think if you know, I've, I've been doing it quite a while, but it was one of those big moments in my career, right? It all everything fitted into place, and you go, I can salute this a million times, and I, like you said, I can stand up in front of you and say, you know, sometimes when you're pitching or you're you're selling a campaign, you're sitting there going, yeah, well, mate, it could be, but it could be something else. And whereas this is sort of became slightly irrefutable. And, and then from going back, great to, word, yeah. sorry, going back to your pitch team selection. Um, part there is it, it, was that a was that a JWT thing based on client? Was it based on the brief? Was it how, how do they how do they? Well, I mean, how do they pick you? Well, I mean, I, <laughs> but, I, I, but how is it as a kind of let's let's see where it goes in the creative department? Who's going to put the team together? And I mean, I suspect I suspect agencies might claim that they have a more sophisticated way of putting thing, teams together, but I I think we were probably free, right? Okay. <laughs> Um, and so you're into just serendipity, and as long as you've got enough good enough people around the place, someone's free, they'll be decent. Yeah, okay. Um, and of course, you know. It, so looking at the trafficking <laughs> department, so, who's free? Because <laughs> I, 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 I mean, that is the way agencies work, I think. Yeah. Is, is there is not enough slack in resource especially yeah. creative resource to be able to make luxurious choices or they like, demanded Hugh and Adam and Guy Murphy did it <laughs> yeah that's actually what happened <laughs> no, but I do also recall at the time though we were having a tough time winning new business and they they tried lots of different ways so right. to, it, it is linked to your question because sometimes they go fucking hold apartment you know yeah should we get New York, New York had this. Um, JWP had this incredible reach, you know. Yeah, and within uh, the network. So actually, on some, I don't know if it was on the pitch or before the pitch, we went to Asia, as in we asked Asia to get involved, right? I, and I think whether we gave them this or something else, and so much work came back, and so much of it was just not right. And we, but you'd have to give the respect to people to feedback, and it took up. So I remember me and Adam. Were and quite, was that an ECD decision at that point? Then go, like, I need to bring in. Well, the council to talk. I think people when people get nervous, they kind of keep they stretch right, okay. and stretch. And then we said to Russ, "We've got this," and he said, "Right, you just go with that." You, you know, that little cluster, and then yeah. we won it. And then I think after that, we felt really confident. And then we we worked on the army pitch, and we won that. And I think we got into this whole world of not of active. I remember on the, the Bailey thing actually at the beginning. Sorry, just last bit on it. John and Anita, Jonathan Davis and Anita Davis, and were um, Jonathan Buds and Anita Davis were running it and I remember going off on one Friday night saying to Adam fucking hell Donna Nita got that Bailey thing oh, 
Thank God for that. Anyway, have a good weekend, mate. Next next Monday, they're going, right, it's not working. Hugh and Adam, you're running. Yeah, and it was like, you've some like, just <laughs> listen to it. And then, you know, initially going, fucking hell, global pitch, and we hadn't ever done one. But then once you embrace it, you get a great little game going, yeah, actually, turn on its head and going, I fucking want this. And I think that for me was a big moment in my career. I worked out actually, yeah, big pitches can be so exciting. They're really it, you know, exciting. They, obviously, they? if there's a good story. Uh, it's match day, isn't it? That's the, that's yeah. the. I think it, when you're in pitch mode, it becomes match day. It becomes build up to the pitch. It's like the. So when we did, so because we've got to get off it. When we did it, then we shot basically these billboards, which were just lips. And it was a very quick decision. I, I, we'd always wanted to work at Rankin. I think Rankin's amazing. Uh, he yeah. he couldn't have been better cast for it. And um, it was the beginning of, did it's hard to imagine actually, beginning of digital technology. So he would take a photo, and you within a millisecond it would be on his screen, which at the time your brain couldn't quite understand. And he would just change ever such tiny little things. And we, you know. I mean, we could have, Adam and I could have booked a hotel around the corner and stayed there for two weeks because we did, we weren't needed. The guy was, Rankin's fucking brilliant on this stuff. Um, and was it, went, it only billboards? Um, no, there was TV, there was an animation, um, and there was print. I don't think there was any sort of other stuff. It was just big, but you know, big launch, you get this line out. And the, the saddest thing was, Guy, I don't know if you remember, so they would always go from either lusciousness... So, you know, lips and liquid and ice and all close up and yeah, to social occasions. And they so we, we sold this in and it went great for a while. And they went, yeah, but we need to pe- see people on social occasions going, no, you don't. You just need to do lusciousness. And that's what we're briefed for. And then they went back to BB-8 and I think they went back to JWT. And every time they couldn't make the mind look, could they? There was a thing about songs we had to do. Oh, and every time you kind of see, there's a very strange advertising campaign at the moment about it. When a lot of women just say Bailey's at a barbecue. <laughs> you don't doing, need it, as you doing, do. They're doing murals at don't the moment need an line. around Halloween. But those um, were all right. Were brilliant last year, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Um, it's hardwired to the brand. You know? It's very, yeah, I've, I've heard. Could be hardwired to anything else. <laughs> we're going to talk, because we're going to talk about Audi now briefly. Um and it's a campaign where, well, Russell Ramsey talked about it when he was on. Hello, Russ. Um, and it's about using parts of the car um, as, well, you, you, you tell us, Guy, it's like, was it called Jewelry, you said? Yeah, the sort of internal code name for the campaign was the Jewelry campaign. Right. Um, and it kind of, it, it helped, I think, set up what later became known as the Design Campaign, right, okay. which lasted a long time. Um, I mean, the background here... Uh, again, I mean, uh, I don't know why I'm highlighting these campaigns because there was no great strategic thinking in them. Um, but I do remember th- some things that definitely helped right. the creative output. And in this one, it was, again, the client saying, we're going to do some posters. Um, at kind of agency, what do you want to do next? And, um, you know, it, it, it would be all too easy to go straight to, well, can we get a briefing from you? Client. Yeah, the yeah. next meeting will be a briefing. We'll take notes and you talk. Right? And um, I think I think what we did next was to try and set the conditions and and make sure that the conversation about posters from now on for Audi was only going to be about creative quality. Right, and that might sound like a silly thing to say, mightn't it? If you're in a creative department of ladies like BBS, but but how easy is it that the the creative quality part of the conversation gets lost? in timing and process and other priorities and da 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 right? And like, 
So, so we, we literally spent like, a very long time just sitting looking at the world's greatest posters with the client, who I think was David George at the time, almost imprinting on all our minds, but most notably the client's mind, that it's these kind of objects that we want, these great objects that are posters. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's how they work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, just priming the client for look I was going to say priming. Like yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, sales technique, isn't it? For when we end up in there with creative, you're priming them with stuff that's going to, that you know is going to resonate. Yeah. T- t- make it clear how the work should be judged. Yeah. Um, and so we literally did it by the benchmark was, is this as good as those great posters? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that's, that's the only criteria one should use or it works for everything. But in this instance, it, it completely cleared the way for, for Russell and the teams to be able to do all those things you always want to do when you're doing posters, which is to sort of yeah. clean, simple, minimalist, kind of j- joyfully beautiful mm. Um, instead of where we might have started, which is, you know, headlines, um, you know, what's the big idea, how are we going to show a car, all those normal stuff. Mm. Um, and, and it was about being able to showcase the car as if it was um, a luxury good, it was a piece of jewellery, uh, and using posters as a sort of little, like a window onto a part of the car, like you might look at a diamond engagement ring in a in a store. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's... um. It's really that's really interesting here you say that because like you're saying, like Dan was saying as well, that you get people into the mindset of that place. So you're starting somewhere completely different. Normally go, oh yeah, what's the line? What's the car? Which car? You know, shit like how big is it? And oh God, what, what colour? You know, and you're going, if you start where you've started, you don't, well, but it's all about having a good product and having a good client to ultimately not go, well, can we yeah. just on the bottom put the uh, Quattro <laughs> logo? And then what about a website and possibly a hashtag? I mean, that's not going to hurt, is it? <laughs> did you did you manage? Was that there then in those days? You know, website, hashtag? No, no. But, but, <laughs> but even so, there are temptations to pile things onto. Oh, headlines like quality you'd expect from Ari. Um, or, or even, you know, book, book a test drive at your local dealership. I mean, there's all that stuff, but it just—it's it, much easier to argue that things shouldn't go in hmm. than it is to argue that things must come out. Well, um, Heg always said, "What's it adding?" Was, which is one of the things I always remember. And so, clearly, nothing, because you're not going to book a test drive off that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll get my pen and paper, and you know, it's like and I'll write down the phone number to book a test drive. No, I won't. I mean, I, I think these. Are, I remember though at the time, again, because I'm older, I dared say wiser. Bit wiser, big brain over there. Um, I think at the time, I'd have gone. Where's the fucking narrative? You know what? What's what's clever about that? You know because I was in that very aggressive, competitive nature in that department, mm. and probably didn't have a, a mature enough brain, or not not being a client to go, or, or you know, like yourself going. Now, this is another way to approach it, and I don't think at the time I think there wasn't mature enough to go. Look, treat it like fashion brand or a luxury good. What? Eh? No, it's a great car, and Stephen Vick had done number one, and you always had to have that clever twist to something, or you had to have a visual thing, you know, like the skull and crossbones saying it's a fucking evil car. You know, it's great. This just went, there it is. It's beautiful, you know, and um, that's that's what I think I love it. I can say about it now. (laughs) 
apologies to anyone did, I didn't say it to Did you before. find when you were working on the strategy for this that you, you end up in the creative review sessions with creative teams or the creative director? Or is it once the strategy was done, it kind of formed the brief and everyone ran with it? Was there, was there kind of... Good question. I mean, you 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 jog alongside, mm-hmm. um, and, and trying your best to know when when is it going to be helpful to go and join and to contribute some more in the process, and when is it helpful to stay away. Um, and th- that's a that's a difficult judgment because it depends on the team. Depends on the creative director as well. Depends on the creative director. Yeah. I mean, you, you guys, you and Adam, you know, you, you were you were always very friendly and open and accessible, and you always welcomed seeing people come in and chat. And, and that made it very easy for people like me to Phew. contribute. And I, I really appreciate that. But not everyone's like that. And that doesn't mean they're better or worse. It's just yeah. a different style. So being able to flex how you work through a process, depending on the creative individualities that you mm. see, is a skill you end up having to sort of pick up. Mm. I think now it's different. I mean, I think at that stage... Well, the way we've discussed this brief, you could put that brief into like Birdie or Sid or Chapman and go, right, you should, the, the designers, mm-hmm. you know, um, Scott Sylvie, people like that, as well as the creative team. But your creative team needs to be mature enough to go, like, you know, a bit of a Tiger Savage or a Russell, you know, people are proper art directors. And me and Adam weren't, um, I'd speak for myself, but I don't think we we're an amazing art directory team. We would just go down the corridor and give it to Birdie. But so it, again, I think it needed a different approach. You know, and that's what was really good about BBH. You'd go, um, I remember Russ telling us the story about design as an approach and a one-word brief. And from that, a completely different look and feel came for the campaign, yeah. which is now looking back, I mean, I don't know what's going on at the moment, mm. but it just looks so classy, so quality, that the colours one, mm. you know, the coat hook, um, there's an exhibition of the stuff, you know, and it all came probably from this, didn't it? this sort of jewellery company. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, how, we'll maybe come to it in a bit, but how how different it is to start in the format of a poster versus a social media post. Yeah. yeah. And where you first express the idea has a fundamental implication of how people receive it and its first manifestation and what you think of it. Yeah. And that starting like that set the tone for for so many things mm. where I think it, it started as a as a post on on Facebook. Well also the the trouble I've found is some it doesn't always work like this. You know, BBH in its pomp, this is sort of this is it. It's all thought through. But sometimes you get a brief and and you come up with the idea and by the end they get you someone goes, Oh yeah they've uh, yeah they've built a load of press ads um twenty eight fours. Eh? This is a TV ad. Yeah, yeah, no, this problem so love. Yeah, but we wouldn't have, it shouldn't have been approved. You know, and that you're trying to unpick the whole thing. And I, I remember thinking, so many times thinking, what are you thinking? You know, this is not. And then you start again, or another team goes on it, or I don't know. It's, um, it would be nice to think every campaign and brief was like the way you described it. Mm. I think that's probably you had a client so long, so trusted. Audi are going to go, all Great right. Point. You know, whereas there's not much time now, is there? I don't know. Right, we should move on. Um, from this lovely work into another section. So I have to be very transparent here. And Guy told, nudged us a couple of times to say, you know, obviously you're a planner. So we, we have to talk actually at length about some brilliant creative work, but we want to talk about, you know, seeing the industry from a strategic point of view. So um, 
I suppose, have we touched upon this already? A, a bit, I think. But the, think? Qu- the question is, how do you see the out-of-home industry from a strategic point of view? What's the mm. what, what are the things that, you know, you've obviously been in the industry a long time, worked at some amazing agencies and now have your own startup and you you think about out-of-home as part of the work that you're doing and have done. How do you how do you see the industry, the state of the industry right now from a, from a strategic perspective? Well, I mean, if we focus in on out of home specifically, that helps narrow the yeah <laughs> the ability to answer the question. I mean, I, I, I just observe just first. I think posters have become a or out of home have become a smaller part of the conversation. And so, just literally, what does that mean? <laughs> that somehow they've lost they've lost some saliency. Is that clutter? Is that because there's ad clutter elsewhere? Um. When I may, when I say not part, a smaller part of the conversation, I mean the conversation with clients, right? Okay, and within the agency, right? Um, uh, and I think it just suggests that the 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 agenda's moved on somehow, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously it's moved on with digital transformation and now the advent of technology and what AI can do, and it just feels like out of home is is hasn't kept up with that somehow. Um. And and the excitement of what's new and what's what can be done now doesn't seem to be linked to out of home so much. Um, and 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 what what's happened is this much more, as I've mentioned earlier, holistic view of what advertising campaigns are now. And there's so much going on that is not about a specific medium. Mm. And this obsession with consumer journeys, of course, and customer experience, what's the whole thing? Mm. Not just what's the ads, what's the, what else are we doing in communication? How is that going to link to... How is it part of the story? How is it part of the wider... Yeah, and, and all our other digital assets. How is it going to work yeah. with search? How is it going to work with our website? How is it going to work with our e-commerce? Um, and so people have stepped right back to think of it in total, and it's very hard in that instance to focus on any one medium. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it certainly hasn't focused in on posters that's come mm. to the fore. And and the 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 obsession, of course, is is on is on social media, paid social media. Um and, and how that works, because there's so much data that can help. And the personalization. The so you've got in in the social world, you can be hyper targeted about your ad spend, only attack the twenty six to twenty nine year old females in Glasgow. You can hone in in your message and you can get you can pay very little to get your 1200 mm. people and and there's a battle going on exactly to that point between the direct response model of advertising yeah and the let's call it brand building or mass awareness and mass fame, awareness yeah. i think they call it mental availability oh, i like that piece of advertising nice. style of advertising and 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 of course with the with the advent of digital media direct response advertising became much much more dominant mm-hmm. and fashionable and now dictates most agendas yeah because it's very measurable it's very accountable it has a, it has a story about it that says you only need to talk to the people you need to talk to there's it's no precision waste. isn't it it's a, yeah and they 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 claim that's the reason for it and 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 there's some truth in that of course but it's not either or because you also need to speak to people who are not buying at the moment mm. because they might buy in future so there's a lot of benefit in not just seeking to target buyers now who will respond now 
there's a lot of benefit in talking to a much broader audience who will buy later. I'm letting them know you're there, yeah. And and th these two models have been fighting each other now for a very long time. Um, and I think as I see out of home, it needs to decide where does it stand here? Uh, because I, I see it, and you will know more than me as you're inside that industry, I see it kind of wanting to ape the direct response model. It wants to be very measurable now. I saw something about analytics of footfall. Close to poster sites, how can we prove someone who saw the poster yeah. went into the shop that the poster was advertising? Yeah. Right. Um, Effectiveness studies are just uh, are the thing that's helping sell out of home at the moment. And, that, that, and that's partly down to the digital footprint that you leave behind when you've been potentially exposed to a poster and then have gone on to... To, to buy or to, to or moved into a different location I mean I think I think it's good to to want to be accountable it's good to be able to explain where the what the money achieved that's all good stuff but it it, it makes me worry that the the posters are kind of on the defense they're yeah. trying to play catch up with digital media digital Absolutely. paid and 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 that that they probably are some catch up things to do for sure. But the future can't be about posters, you know, somehow follow the same formats and structures and philosophies as, as social media advertising. Yeah, we're not going to end up in the minority report, hey, John, get a Guinness ad, right? We're, we're going to end up, we've been talking about this kind of, for a while, we talked earlier off there about dynamic digital at home advertising, um, mass personalization, understanding audiences and mindsets. Whether that is not, it's not targeting Hugh as he's going through Euston Station, it's targeting all the people at the Euston Station at the moment and what they may be affected by. So, if there are train delays, should we change the way we talk to people because they're going to be angry, because they're going to be milling around for longer in the concourse what can we do can we use longer headlines right. can we right. change the imagery can we we know it's sunset we know they're probably thinking well i've got half an hour now to go and buy some dinner on my way home mm. you know what should we be doing so mass personalization is what that the, the our data can because tell you, us to, to, to I target love, messaging better i love that because oh. and to your point guy sorry i don't know if i'm rubbing off another little section but that's the power of the hyper-local poster, both as creative and, you know, in production and media and all that. You, like, I love that idea. If there's a delay, or we can run longer headlines, give a bit more in-depth articles from Sky News or whatever. And, to, and then to your point, that's sort of, that's more, I don't know, you, you can have that on your phone, but it doesn't feel quite as collective or, you know, response. So you could say, just picking up on your point, the sun's come out. I love Pim's O'Clock, where they tell you all the pubs in London where they've got mm. the back garden. And that feels very real and uh, as a point of difference for digital out of home. My beef yeah. is it, and I don't know whether this is what you're getting at. Uh, so We've talked about this. I'll just chuck a bit of video on yeah. from... Where's the video? Oh, um, so another agency from, yeah. in Amsterdam have done a TV and an agency in uh, Miami have done a thing. So just, can you just... Like change the three seconds yes. at the end. I go, Fucking hell! This used to be the, uh, or the this brief should be the most exciting thing in the agency, and it still can be. Um, but it, like you say, whether it's lost its way, that whether it's the, it's, its own fault, or it's the fault of the technology. Part Sorry. of that could be so. In the UK, um, in terms of media money, digital is worth nearly sixty percent of all media money in the UK for out home. Wow. So 
what was the classic poster where you would see the jewelry campaign for Audi um, is a smaller part of the business now and digital and the influx of digital and programmatic digital out of home has changed the landscape. And because it's digital, there is more accountability. There is play out reporting. There is proof of play. There is more understanding of how audiences are moving around the space. So they've had to align mm. to the other digital media buying strategies and accountability in order to sell it. And I'm sure that's true, but that then will only be part of the answer. Mm. That's just catch up. Yeah, uh, we we can be measured too. Yeah. Okay. Well done. Oh, we're still here, by the way. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm 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 much more interested in 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 that unique power that posters have, and how do you exploit that, as well as play catch up on the other things. Mm. Um, and we've we've touched on some of these already, but I mean, there's a very old phrase called the peacock effect, um, which relates to posters and some other media too. But just the 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 ability for people to receive subconsciously the sense of that's a big important brand just because it's on that poster. Yeah. Uh, again, it's, it's almost back to the point we made earlier about trust and visibility. Just some very essential fundamental things can be very powerful. Mm. Um, and, you know, you're, you're peacocking, you know, you must have spent a lot of money. You must be successful. You're a rich company. I don't mind buying from you. I have confidence that you will have a good product because you're obviously rich and successful. It's interesting because that's exactly, you know, in the, in, in the US, um, because the, the rules are different around advertising, it's how political campaigns are won and lost. It's all and out of home because that's a, the trusted mechanic. Wow. The posters go up, you know. The famous Obama poster was everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's exactly what you're talking about there is that you know if you are you're a successful person donald trump your poster is everywhere for this election i'm going to mm. trust you with my vote mm. i mean you know it can go horrendously wrong <laughs> make of that one. <laughs> will by the way we are not trump supporters <laughs> these are deep psychological truths about how people receive advertising yeah and the the facebook um the Cambridge Analytica thing suffered from exactly the same thing. People, you know, that's that the mistrust in social media came from Cambridge Analytica, which mm. changed election results for people. And that's that, that out of home is. is has Do you think you could, um, or one could label out of home the final, the last trusted medium? It, I suppose you can't because of the fucking fake out of home shit that's now landed. <laughs> but prior to that, you know, but I, it's really interesting listening to you talk about it because it is, you do get that. You know, even if it's one poster or, you know, not enough in a national campaign, you see one, you go, oh. I don't know. I think it's probably the last broadcast medium. TV is more inherently digital than mm, ever. Yeah. And, you know, linear TV, people, very few people watch linear TV anymore and it's, everything's on catch up. And um, Unless it's football, so which is a big sport. slug of the yeah. show we haven't gone to. Yeah. Arsenal fan, Spurs fan. Yep. Yeah, Arsenal second in the league, Spurs top of the league. So I just want to put that out. This is just a precursor to that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not involved in football anymore because uh, it's more more golf and rugby uh, from my side. Right, we're going to have to get towards the end. Honestly, could sit here for ages. I could go and get Mm. some pints in, just get them around the table. I'll probably get some 20 more. Well, let's talk about the future of our before we we finish up. Um, Yeah. Because I think we've talked... We've talked loosely about kind of how 
how advertisers and agencies can exploit billboards and you talked about the peacock effect i think it's really nice um but what does the future hold if we you know if we we're five years down the line mm. and we're just you know for example we're only just scratching the surface of mm. of ai what, what what does the future hold for for the medium and for for outdoor and digital outdoor yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard to say the answer to that question for for any of the media that's going on at the moment, and uh, the the possibilities are are still are still becoming somewhat clear. But who knows where the technology is going to take us? Um, I mean, the, the general point: there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that 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 generative AI technology is going to have a fundamental influence across all of advertising, all advertising industry and all advertising agencies. I, I don't think this will be the fad of conversation that people have often said it might be. You know, it's a, it's another Bitcoin, it's another NFT. It won't be like that. Um, and whatever its abilities are to create now, which people are critical of, that uh, they are only going to significantly exponentially increase in their ability to create increasingly good to great work and that's a very uncomfortable thing to say in this company uh, and for your listeners but I, I i do think that's true uh it's not going away no it will become more and more of everything so you have to start there yeah accept yeah. it um and, and and then work backwards, mm. N- not not the other way around. Go. How can we employ it a little bit now and a little bit more tomorrow and a little bit more the next day? And because you just end up with all these legacy issues. Yeah. Um. And and what that means is that um, all 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 the content can be uh, automated. Um. It will all perfectly fit all of the formats beautifully. <laughs> There'll be no problem. Um. Uh, that's in terms of the content of it. Um, but in terms of how it can play out, it can, of course, be linked to all sorts of other data sets. Uh, and I think you mentioned this a little bit earlier. I mean, you know, the data sets that exist around an environment, you know, crowd numbers, weather, uh, what's happened that day, just real life, mm. that that can be part of the algorithms that can dictate what can appear and when and why and to whom. Um, uh, and you, you're sort of tailoring the use of, of the media to life nearby. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really exciting thought. It's like a sort that's of membrane, a mem- the poster is a membrane between the life nearby and the creative content within. Yeah, because if you, if you create, I love that. I love that because you go, right, there's a big game on at Wembley. There's five possible things that are going on. Something in the news, the weather, something that's Japan on the pitch. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And then you have five files ready. You'd have to go back to the agency go, quick, write a headline about Rooney. He's, you know, you have it all lined up. I mean, I know agencies do that anyway, but it still doesn't feel like it. Like I, you watch so many, so the live sporting event is the thing you don't watch later on because you're not part of the conversation. So at those moments, whenever you see, you know, the digital boarding or stuff like that you f- you still feel like it's not I, I think as it's live the, as it could be i think it's the same principle applies to anything and i think you know you said earlier on that that um posters are the fabric of our society they're on they're on the streets they're real right um whether that's a, whether they're pixels or paper it, it doesn't really matter but as we know 
the city changes and it's, it changes in real time. The traffic changes, the weather changes, the tube delays change. And as things change, people change. Yeah. And as people change, audience mindsets and, and, and numbers change. They swell, they shrink, they, when it rains, they go inside into the shopping mall. When it's, when it's sunny, they're out on Oxford Street. Yeah. All of those things play a part in an AI modeling for Correct. Um, not just creativity, yeah, but yeah, media yeah, yeah. planning. Yeah. Correct. And so joining those things up and you go, you've got something super but I powerful think that's... for out of home to respond to in real time as people... Mm. Yeah, I think that's the good bit. And I think that's what, well, we've, we haven't talked about this at length. We had Nils Leonard on, who was really actually positive about it mm. um, and did say, it's, you know, it's brilliant. It's gonna be, if you see it, I think, this is my bit, if you see it as a tool to help you in your creativity, that's fine. Because ultimately, it is not going to write when the zigzag. It won't do that. I hope, don't think it will. Because you think to have... If you train it, it will. I know. But you see, <laughs> I read that... I think Hegarty said this thing, or someone else I was listening to the other day said, AI can only work off... And by the way, I'm already... I'm feeling nervous saying anything like this because I'm shit on this. But AI can only have everything that's in the internet at the moment, which is quite a lot, right? But so when you're, but when you're trying to create something new, like you said earlier, you don't want to just talk to the people you know already you might want to change those people's minds over there by acting in a completely different way as a brand would act the, so you might do something which has never been done before I, I think so that, that won't be from ai because it's on the internet but and if it's you not if you internet. so take it outside of ai there are loads of brands who use this um fail fast right yeah. so fail fast you learn a lot you get it right the next time um the same is going to be the case for ai yeah, no, yeah don't, just, don't, don't take all the successes and think you're going to get success because there yeah. will be failure, and yeah. then AI will learn from failure and and yeah. get it right next time. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the more they can make it a, like the human brain, it will. But so, do, in summation, do you? So, it could help us. It can hinder us. The industry. Well, it it will be us. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and but but there's a journey. To get there, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm I'm interested in how you talk there about um, it, it'll never it'll never create something really unique. Um, and I think I think right now people are, as you say, trying to judge it against that benchmark. Mm. Oh, but it can't really do anything great yet. So what's the point? Don't care. And I think that's because the advertising industry is obsessed with one quality standard only, which is great. And if it ain't great, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And then do you then take a step back into real life and you go, let's think of all advertising that happens now in the world. Most of it's shit. Yes. Look at your feed. Mm. Right. But what AI can definitely do, it can take so much of the work that's not good for lots of simple nuts and bolts reasons and professionalize it. Mm. And it can make a lot of very average work good. Mm. So it can raise the floor of creative standards mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, without no. necessarily raising the ceiling. Uh, that's a good chant. Yeah. And that is a massive contribution. Yeah. And I think that's what Neil's When you think about it, 95% of advertising is shit, there's a, there's a, big, <laughs> there's a big floor raising. Right? So, so <laughs> a large why, amount why of we, revenue there. Why are we being a bit mean mm. about it and going, oh, well, you can't do great yet? Yeah. Well, you can do quite a lot already that's just good. Yeah, or just and that's better, 20, better 20, than the shit you're seeing now is right. fine. Mm. 
And just from just from a point of view of like this having better looking work in the world, that's nice. Yeah, well, no, but no. it will also benefit those businesses that are advertising because there'll be better works. There's an economic benefit to that. Well, that is huge. Mm. Um, well, also let's take it back to your process on Audi. Like, what? How did you train the uh, or prime the client? To understand you were going to bring in a great poster. That's how you that's exactly the process for training an AI model, right? You're like, here are here are great posters, here are great posters, here are great posters. Eventually, it will produce a great poster. Mm. And this client was primed with great, great mm. posters. Mm. And so when he was presented one yeah. from the creative team, signed yeah. it off. You've yeah. you've trained the model and he's he's done exactly what you've wanted him to do. And we've if I could selfishly mention what I'm doing at the moment. So we've trained our model that we're using or exploiting it on our platform um, to use what we know to be the, the truths of what makes good effective advertising. So in the world of ad tech, it's mostly been dominated from tech with yeah. not much ad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're, we're kind of in a much more balanced view where I am now where we want to maintain what we know can create effective work and put the technology there to exploit and make that happen. Mm. So this is not, when people talk about Gen AI, it's not just a tech play where the the tech decides. What what are the ways in which you've instructed it to decide? Mm. What are the rules that you've given it? What are the prompts that you're giving it? That's what dictates it. So Mm. upstream is a bunch of advertising people who know how advertising works. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's a really good point. So you're still, you're in control of what you're giving it. You know, and then that, because I remember I was, I was working on this pitch recently and um, I found it actually fascinating. So for me, it's, yeah, I'm just tiptoeing into it, but I still, you know, I'm still sitting over the blank page, you know, whenever I'm working going, right, where do we, where do we go? And then, but it's, it's quite quick. You can get stuff done up. So, um, Actually, me and Chappie, you remember Adam Chappie, don't you? Yeah. We worked on the John Lewis pitch and um, we'd spend a day together, you know, cracking stuff. I mean, you're literally given a day. And then uh, he'd send me this deck where I'm going, fucking hell, how'd you do that? I went, oh, sorry, AI, man, AI. Well, and he well. had this stuff. And it, the thing is, though, he said, there is a certain look still about some of it where we we were going, all oh, that garlic looks, we were working on um, Waitrose. But it was interesting because it helped us, like fuck, because we were we could get in quick and make stuff look how we wanted well, it to look, rather than a shit little. I think know. there's definitely, and in some of in the mid journey mock ups and stuff, there's definitely a look and feel that you can see where it's learnt, right? And I, it's interesting. I, I won't name the agency or the brand, but it's a very interesting process. In order to take the client on this journey, they needed a storyboard for the film they want to make. Right. And the storyboard was created using AI. Yeah. Because this is the theme that we want to use. This is the, this mm-hmm. is this is the style. Because those AI prompts are there. I want it in fantasy. I want this, these colors. I want this, and this is the narrative. And yeah. within minutes, you can have a mock-up and get client approval. Now, that, that's not what's going to be used. It's going to be created by an artist and in yeah. isolation, and they've, they've they've signed off on an artist. But in order to get the client there very, very quickly yeah. and tell them the story of the film they want to create, they're yeah. using Midjourney to, mm. to to create a storyboard. I, I, I find that sense of speed really exciting. Yeah, it is. It's uh, mad. I mean, but we, I, we, having our, sorry, again, we're like, on our platform, we can create 
uh, social media ads after people have answered two questions mm. in probably less than 10 seconds that would be of a quality that you would expect from a freelance professional freelance team. Yeah. Uh, I just find that quite thrilling mm. of what's possible as a result of that. Yeah. It does go back to what Nils was saying about AI and, and the beauty of it, the fact that it will eradicate the shit. That's that's because it's learned what's good, yeah. so yeah. it will eradicate the shit. So we, there, there are going to be people in peril in jobs. There are going to be yeah. people yeah. losing their jobs. They are the the thirty quid model is what he called it. Mm. Um, you know, we're you know we're we're busting out ads for thirty quid a pop. Yeah, that that model will be gone and replaced with better advertising. Mm. Yes, generated by AI. We um we need to end. So we're going to end on Guy's favourite billboard, which in a way, weirdly, is kind of maybe an early form of AI. I don't know. Guy, uh, talk us through this one. It's a favourite of ours. Yeah, oh, as well. that's a good link, actually. I hadn't I hadn't made the link. I mean, mm. it's always hard to say what's your favourite anything, but uh, this came to mind for favourite posters, and it's uh, it must be 10 years old, I suspect. Um, yeah. So it was, the, it was the ad um, that ran... Uh, in central London, where there's a little boy who stands up and points at an aeroplane going uh, overhead in the sky above the poster, uh, and the little boy says, um, look, it's flight BA475 from Barcelona. Uh, and then there's the aeroplane, and he's pointing directly at it. Um, and I, I, love, I love that, I mean, partly because it did something completely new that I'd never seen before. Yeah, it got a poster to interact with another data set about flight paths. <laughs> Mad, isn't it? I love it. Um, so I, I just loved that, and then I just thought it's just such a little joyful experience being in front mm. of that. Like, yeah. the, they chose a little boy because little boys are full of kind of wonder about planes, and then mm. they know that human beings are often looking at planes, going, "Oh, holiday! I wonder mm. where they're going. Have they had a nice time? I bet they'll be tanned when they come out of the airport." Uh, and then the sort of wonder of how the hell does he know there's a plane up there? Yeah. So. All this goes on in your head in a matter of seconds. Yeah. And I suspect um, much of the publicity took the photo from a particular angle. Uh, so or, the plane... the plane and afterwards. <laughs> but, I, but I remember... I mean, this is absolutely one of my favourites. Um, it's Ogilvy. And uh, I read tons on this. I've interviewed the guy who did it. Um, but for me, it just sort of reinvented BA again. You're going, fuck. And like, like you say, wonder... And the joy of flying. And I think they didn't have the kid initially. I think they'd worked out this poster can talk to the uh, plane because there was that thing that everyone had, which was a hold your phone flight up. Tracker. Flight tracker. And some, you know, the guy did it. When, and I think they said, I think they refused it. And they kept refusing it. And then I think that when they put the kid in, they bought it because it had humanity. Oh. And then I think, and then you go, because, you know, it wasn't just... Yeah, I've got this idea of a kid walks across, points, you know, no work happens like that ever. No. Well, unless it's the IPA, uh, was it the Brie? You know, you put your paper in. Oh, yeah, seamless. Boddington's, I, Cream I, Manchester. I can, um, <laughs> I, can, I can tell you now because um, many years has passed, but... Um, hmm. What's couple, the truth? A couple, of, a couple of years later... Steady, fellow, no, no, no. you're right. Deep a breaths. Couple, a couple of years later, um, we were working with EasyJet and um, we had a... A couple of years uh, earlier or later? Later, later. Oh. Um and uh, they were battling BA over over. Basically, the airlines get fined when they're delayed, right? Um, and they were they were battling uh, BA for for space 
in the London airport. Um, so they wanted to do this. Well, we were helping the agency pitch this idea of uh, a little boy on an orange background pointing at the delayed BA planes coming into <laughs> Heathrow or Gatwick. Brilliant. Um, so it got right down to the wire, and unfortunately they didn't do it. They were so worried about it. But, um, but yeah, we, we'd use that as part it's of the It's quite funny. Make him look they, quite angry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's another delayed BA plane coming across. Oh, God. Anyway. But there's nice, there's nice themes in there of what we're talking about, interacting with the time and place. Yeah, totally. Using technology, data sets, yeah. creating yeah. little experiences for people that are personalised in that area. It's all kind of there, but great. it was a long time ago. It's a brilliant one to end on, actually. And um, So th- thanks for coming in. Thanks yeah, thank for um, not talking about football too much. Uh, we'll do that off, off yeah. there but no it's brilliant we're going to talk about how we're going to finish 5th and 6th although 5th is Champions League no 8th I think 8th or 10th for me anyway <laughs> guy. It's, been, it's been really lovely uh, thank you so much and I, I, I think for you inviting on someone who's not who's in the strategy side of agency and just recognising there is some contribution there is a really generous thing to do oh mate thank you very great. much we've, we'll, uh, we've talked about you on a number of shows so uh, yeah it's about time we'll get Andy Nairn next and he can tell us what's really going on <laughs> <laughs> I think what Guy was trying to say <laughs> yeah thank you Yes. Yes. I'm excited about AI again. Yeah. God, I was actually a little bit like Joey of Friends then. You yeah, know, like, when everyone's having a conversation. I could ride a horse. <laughs> I was going to say you Is were more like... Is there any food coming? <laughs> I think you're more like Homer from... Uh, oh, thanks. Come from Joey to Homer, you fucker. <laughs> you know my kid's favourite... Uh, uh, Homer quote is there's a there's a good episode where there's a free trampoline ad in the back of the paper. Right. Trampoline? <laughs> free trampoline. That's fucking brilliant. And they keep saying it. When someone says something stupid in our house, they go, Trampoline? Um, oh, okay. Anyway, yeah, that was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he's good, isn't he? I mean, it, without going on about it, it really got quite deep in it. We could have just sat here for it. Someone could have brought some food in yeah, and we could have just carried on. A couple of hours of that. Yeah. Um, and anyway, I, the, the Japanese thing for me with the that photocopy was one of the best. Oh yeah, stories very, I've very, had. very good at. But um, good. Obviously, thanks to our our sponsors um, and to Soho Radio for for hosting us here, um, and to to Talon, who yeah. are, are you know perennial sponsors of this, and it wouldn't be possible without our friends at Talon. So. No, thank you so much, guys. Really, really, really appreciate it. Um, until next week. Okay, see you then.